Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to be talking about something that's pretty important to me, and I suspect important to a number of you out there as well, and that's privacy. And more specifically, here in Virtual Legality, where we talk about software and technology, the privacy implications of what Apple has very recently announced are going to be changes to its latest version of its operating system. If you haven't been following this story, this is a fairly big one because Apple has changed its tact, its approach in certain important respects as to how your information on your own iPhone or other iDevice is going to be treated by the company. And they've done their best to try to thread the needle of folks that are concerned about privacy protections and folks that are concerned about other things, more specifically, things related to the abuse of children. Now, that's an important goal. We're going to be talking about some of the laws that Apple is acting around here in respect to the United States, but it's also a goal that tends to swamp logical, analytical discussion of these kinds of things. You hear this in references to rhetorical devices or jokes made on The Simpsons or wherever you might find yourself about how political statements, statements of some measure of controversy are often covered by it's for the children. And this is really no exception because what Apple is doing here is, I think, an important step and certainly a significant one for protection of people's property on their phones, on their devices. And I think folks that are getting upset about this are not doing so solely out of their own interests and certainly not to cover things like child abuse, but because the privacy that they hold dear is so important to them. And Apple doesn't appear to be meeting them halfway on that score. So let's talk about what Apple is actually going to be doing. In this post from about 10 days ago, and it's amazing how fast the news cycle moves on these kinds of things, Apple announced expanded protections for children. It says, at Apple, our goal is to create technology that empowers people and enriches their lives, okay, while helping them stay safe. Hmm, interesting. Not usually what we think of when we're buying our cell phones or our TVs or any other piece of electronic information or device. We want to help protect children from predators who use communications tools to recruit and exploit them and limit the spread of child sexual abuse material, or CSAM. We're going to be seeing CSAM referenced in a number of places here. Now, Apple's going to announce three separate changes. The first The Messages app will use on-device machine learning to warn about sensitive content, and this is directed towards children. The second, they will have CSAM detection that will help Apple provide valuable information to law enforcement on collections of CSAM in iCloud photos. And we will be talking about this particular one in the most detail because in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of others, it's the one that raises the most significant privacy concerns. And then finally, they will be making updates to Siri and search through their iDevices to provide parents and children expanded information. And that expanded information is essentially much like you see on alerts here on YouTube, where they warn you about searching for something or finding information that in essence, Apple decided is going to be problematic for the child or the parent in question. Now we're going to be covering all of these. We're going to be looking through this blog post, but really we're going to be focusing on that second item. So we're going to be going pretty quickly through the first and third. First, the messages app will add new tools to warn children and their parents when receiving or sending sexually explicit photos. Now you might think to yourself, well, doesn't that mean 
Apple has to go and ascertain whether it's a sexually explicit photo. And no, Apple is trying throughout this blog post and throughout everything else that it's going to say, a lot of which I think is wrong-footed and they shoot themselves in the foot in talking about it, that they don't want to have any of this information. So they'll be using various cryptographical techniques and machine learning to avoid knowing anything. And that might work in some respects. I don't think it's going to work in this particular instance. It says, when receiving this type of content, the photo will be blurred and the child will be warned, presented with helpful resources and reassured it is okay if they do not want to view this photo. Always nice to know Apple is reassuring my child of something. As an additional precaution, the child can also be told that to make sure they are safe, their parents will get a message if they do view it. Now that in and of itself is privacy adjacent uh, because somebody sending the photo that may or may not be properly assessed as sexually explicit is going to have that information sent to the parent that they aren't communicating with. But we'll leave that aside for just a second. It says Apple is using on-device machine learning to analyze image attachments and determine if a photo is sexually explicit. The feature is designed so that Apple does not get access to the messages. They're going to be using bots to determine whether that is an actual picture of an eggplant or avocado or something else. And you're going to just be dependent on Apple getting that machine learning right because they're not going to be sharing how that works with anybody else. Now, that is turn-offable. And so I think doesn't get to the level of privacy concerns as what we're about to see here with respect to the detection. But it is important to note, and we will see EFF talk about this as part of this video, that when you build a system, that system is known to be available to bad actors, to even Apple itself deciding that it should be used for some other purpose, sexually explicit. Now, maybe something else later. And that in and of itself is a problem because Apple has basically taken this stance for a fairly long period of time that we're not going to build backdoors. We're not going to build keys. We're not going to build things that allow law enforcement or anyone else to break into these kinds of communications because once we build that system, people know that that system exists and it can be co-opted in a way that we don't like. And Apple's had that stance. And I think it was a defendable stance and a stance that a lot of people liked and may or may not have attracted them to the platform. And Apple is ditching that in a certain important regard here. Now, before we talk about this detection, I want to talk about the law that Apple is acting under. Here we got 18 USC 2258A, reporting requirements of providers. It says, in order to reduce the proliferation of online child sexual exploitation and to prevent the online sexual exploitation of children, a provider, here we should think of this as Apple, shall, as soon as reasonably possible after obtaining actual knowledge of any facts or circumstances described in the sexual exploitation arena, take actions to do things about that, or may, after obtaining actual knowledge of any facts or circumstances of that nature, take those actions. And I've highlighted the terms actual knowledge. If this isn't your first rodeo in virtual legality, you know that that's a fairly high standard. Apple personnel, because Apple's a company doesn't have knowledge on its own, but Apple personnel, if they actually know something is exploitative, then they'll take actions under this law. But if they don't actually know it, they don't have an obligation to do anything. Now, some laws in this arena where you say actual knowledge will start imputing things. Well, if you reasonably knew that the facts and circumstances surrounding someone's photos looks like it's going to be CCM, whatever it might be. This law specifically says the opposite because people are rightly concerned about internet and electronic communications providers rifling through their materials. The law says nothing 
in this section shall be construed to require a provider, Apple, to monitor any user, subscriber, or customer, to monitor the content of any communication of any person, or to affirmatively search, screen, or scan for facts or circumstances described above. Which means, yes, if you, Apple, actually know that there is this exploitation happening or that exploitative materials are being passed around, then you have these obligations under federal law to report them and to do these various other things. But we want to make clear that you don't have an affirmative obligation to do more in this arena because in the United States, people are rightly concerned about electronic service providers going through their stuff. Apple then can't rely solely on a legal obligation to do this. So instead they appeal to people's empathy and sympathy that we want to protect children, but it's not a legal requirement. And that's important. I've seen that floating around as part of this discussion. It says to help address this, New technology in iOS and iPad OS will allow Apple to detect known CSAM images stored in iCloud photos. This will enable Apple to report these instances to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NCMEC. Now, I see something like that, and that becomes an interesting data point. Hold on to that because we're going to be talking about the NCMEC in just a second. Apple's method of detecting known CSAM is designed with user privacy in mind. Instead of scanning images in the cloud, the system performs on-device matching using a database of known CSAM image hashes provided by NCMEC and other child safety organizations. Apple further transforms this database into an unreadable set of hashes that is securely stored on users' devices. So they have provided a bunch of facts and technical materials. And certainly if you are interested in the absolute technical foundation of all this, don't come to me, I'm a lawyer. There are probably other YouTube channels that cover it better. But what Apple is doing here is taking a photo that is deemed to be illegal, problematic by the NCMEC and potentially other child safety organizations that remain unnamed uh, by Apple here. And they're taking that particular photo and saying that photo is labeled A1. And it's gonna be a much longer string than that, but that's the hash. And then they put that into every Apple user's operating system. And if you're going to upload a photo to the cloud, to iCloud, then what they're going to do before you are allowed to do that is they're going to compare the hash on your photo to the hash from the NCMEC as put forth in your operating system. And if they match, well, Apple's going to take note of that. And if they match enough times with that database, then Apple's going to look at it personally, or as they continue... Before an image is stored in iCloud photos, an on-device matching process is performed for that image against the known CSAM hashes. This matching process is powered by a cryptographic technology called Private Set Intersection, which determines if there is a match without revealing the result to Apple. Using another technology called Threshold Secret Sharing, the system ensures the contents of the safety vouchers cannot be interpreted by Apple unless the iCloud photos account crosses a threshold, unknown, unnamed, of known CSAM content. Apple then manually reviews each report to confirm there is a match, disables the user's account, and sends a report to the NCMEC. Apple only learns about images that match known CSAM. Now, there's a number of things happening here that folks have had a concern with. The first is that what is occurring is a scan or something like a scan. A lot of the objections to people describing it that say, well, it's not scanning things, it's just comparing hashes. It's just matching addresses of known things. 
that's fine. Whatever's happening is happening on your device. So you download operating system 15, you've got an iPhone, and you're using the iCloud backup, which Apple pushes on you every two seconds. I don't use iCloud myself. I do have an iPhone, but it asks you to sign up for iCloud virtually every turn that you use one of these documents or one of these devices. So if you use iCloud and you want to back up a photo on iCloud, Apple's going to look at it. It's going to check it against this hash. And if it finds enough problematic content on your phone, then it's going to look at it manually and potentially report you to the authorities. So now at a baseline level, Apple, provider of your phone and operating system, is looking through your stuff. And they say, well, we're not looking through your stuff because we've coded all of these photos to only a set of letters. And it's only when those letters match up enough times that we're going to report things. But I think people rightly have responded to that saying, no, no, you are looking through our stuff and that's a problem in and of itself. The other problem that I can see is that it's outsourced, right? Apple doesn't know what CSAM is, so they've outsourced this function to a institute called the NCMEC. And so I, as a virtual legality person that does research and looks at these things and says, well, what is that? Wants to know more. So it's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It says, we are a profit, a private nonprofit 501c3 corporation whose mission is to help find missing children, reduce child sexual exploitation, and prevent child victimization. I think things we can all get behind. But I also wanted to know more. So I wound up looking at their 990, which they file and it says, hey, we made $47 million in 2019. And where did that money come from? Well, we've got a contributor here that made $34 million in contributions. And again, this is the 2019 return, not the 2020. So numbers can move around, but that's a heck of a lot of money for $47 million in revenues. Somebody is basically funding this entire institute. And if you look at the bottom of their website, it becomes a little bit clearer. It says this website is funded in part through a grant from the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, Office of Justice Programs, U.S. Department of Justice. And then we go and we look at the grants. We go to the Office of Juvenile Justice and we see here for 2020, they have a grant of $35,400,000 to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And among other things through that grant, what are they doing? During the grant period, NCMEC will also support the development of tools and technologies to improve the efficiencies related to the investigations and managing of leads that are submitted to the cyber tip line. Proposed approaches may include, but are not limited to, incorporating artificial intelligence or other technologies that will assist the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Forces. And we also see a reference here to a specific law that makes clear that the NCMEC as funded annually by the administrator here is essentially a funded arm of the U.S. federal government, more specifically the Department of Justice. And there's not anything really wrong with that, except when we're talking about what's happening here, it's worth noting because this particular institute that's creating this particular set of hashtags that's being used on this particular device to read through your photos going up to iCloud is functionally the U.S. government, or at least funded by the U.S. government in substantial part. So when we talk about what's happening here, one of the things we're going to talk about is a slippery slope. And you might have heard slippery slope and you want to say, Rick, slippery slope is a fallacy. And it's like, no, a slippery slope fallacy is believing that a slippery slope must occur. That if we look at this and I say, well, this is a possibility that could develop from here and it's a fait accompli, it will happen that way. That's the fallacy analyzing things for their second order effects or their unintended consequences or how things might move forward is not a fallacy. It's not a mandate. 
Apple doesn't have to go in a bad direction with a lot of this, but there is a slippery slope here, and that's that Apple has built something that uses hashtags that Apple can't verify in an unauditable database run by the U.S. government, and on that basis alone is going to be looking through people's stuff and potentially reporting them to authorities for illegal activity. And if you're like me, I look at that and say, well, this is a bridge too far. This this is going too far because... Yes, this is an important thing. We don't want child sexual exploitation. That's one of the reasons why it always starts like this when you talk about holes in privacy or what technology companies are going to do because basically every human being with a heart can agree that this stuff is bad. So when you've got that, it's easy for these tech companies to say, yeah, we want to stop this. And most people are going to say, yeah, of course we want to stop this. But to what ends? And we're going to be talking also in part of this video about what Apple says about privacy that really doesn't match what they have said in the past. Finally, I want to talk about the third part here. Expanding guidance in Siri and Search. Says Siri and Search are also being updated to intervene when users perform searches for queries related to CSAM. These interventions will explain to users that interest in this topic is harmful and problematic and provide resources from partners to get help with this issue. It's unclear what it means to be related to CSAM. If I search for, for instance, this blog post through my phone, do I get a warning of some kind? Because this is clearly related to CSAM. I think it's only referenced about a thousand times in this particular post, but it's not what they mean. So who's making these decisions? Who's making these determinations? The same kind of who watches the watchers questions that we have with Google and Facebook and Apple and everyone else. It just continues down this slide of what exactly are these companies allowing people to see? Where are they intervening? And is that important? And should it be changed? And I think People that are in virtual legality on a regular basis know that I have significant concerns with how this is all handled operationally. I don't, unfortunately, have really good answers to how it should look because all these companies are moving in lockstep to start intervening with what people look for and what people say in a fashion that I think is potentially problematic, but we're going to have to see exactly where it goes. But certainly out of those three items, the second is the most concerning And a lot of folks have come to me and asked, well, can they even do this, right? You put in your thumbnail, you put as the front page here that they have advertised their phone as being about privacy. And now you're telling me that that looks very much different from how I think of privacy. And unfortunately, the answer is you're probably used to here in virtual reality is in general, yes, they can do these kinds of things. If you go look at the terms of service for OS 14, you see by using the software, you agree that Apple may download and install automatic Apple software updates onto your device and your peripheral devices. And they basically reserve the right to change the operating system however they would like. And that operating system control is at the heart of some of the things that we are seeing now with respect to government antitrust movements against Apple and Google and some others, with respect to Epic versus Apple, which we're still waiting on a final judicial determination, at least at the trial court level, and we'll see how that goes. But all of these things are about the fact that Apple sells you a, a box, sells you a device, but controls how it runs, and that everybody has basically agreed to that on the premise that Apple won't just do something off the wall and completely undermine itself and what it has sold to you. Now, you always have the option of buying something else, and I might wind up doing that, but it will be an open question as to where that something else lives because I have no doubt that a lot of these companies are probably going to be moving in a similar direction. In the same way, when we talk about the Apple privacy policy, not only can it be changed with notice and things like that, it's the, the concept that they don't consider this to be a violation of privacy. They think that the cryptography and the hashes, even if it ultimately comes down to a reporting of your individual person (laughs) to law enforcement is not in and of itself 
personal data. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if this particular policy gets updated when OS 15 goes live, but we can see they really only are talking about contact information, device information, account information, usage data, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't conceptually have a notion here with respect to this hash concept or what they are doing on the photos themselves. Now, other people have been worried about this and I do want to assuage some of those fears because I did get a number of notes. They aren't going to be looking at, as far as I understand it, the content of the photos. They're going to be looking to match up those hashtags. So you aren't looking at things that might've gotten you in trouble at developing photos back in the day at the Walmart of kids in bathtubs or things like that. If it doesn't match something that the NCMEC can show them in their hashtags, it's not going to get flagged through this process. The other option, of course, is that you don't have to use iCloud. And Apple has assured folks that if they don't have iCloud turned on, then they aren't going to have these things run against them even on their personal content. But it doesn't seem like they would be limited from flipping that switch if they wanted to, which leads us to the complaints, the political zeitgeist about all these things. I brought up the EFF. I think they go a little far uh, in this article. You can certainly check it out yourself as I will link it in the description. But some of the stuff they point out is entirely accurate. First, it is impossible to build a client-side scanning system that can only be used for sexually explicit images sent or received by children. As a consequence, even a well-intentioned effort to build such a system will break key promises of the messenger's encryption itself and open the door to broader abuses. So they built this system. We're talking about the messaging portion of it here in the EFF article. And so they say, well, it's impossible to build these systems and limit them forever to just this. All it would take, says the EFF, to widen the narrow back door that Apple is building is an expansion of the machine learning parameters to look for additional types of content or tweak of the configuration flags to scan not just children's, but anyone's accounts. Why should you even be allowed to turn this off? Apple might say tomorrow. And hey, yes, exploitative material is bad, but maybe so is violence. What about M17 video games? What do we think about that? What is Apple going to get involved in, in loco parentis? And they've built the system that allows them to do it. And so uh, there's a justifiable kind of knee-jerk response. They are, you've built this thing now. EFF continues saying, we've already seen this mission creep in action. One of the technologies originally built to scan and hash child sexual abuse imagery has been repurposed to create a database of quote-unquote terrorist content that companies can contribute to and access for the purpose of banning such content. Apple scanning will happen on device in an unaudible database of processed CSAM images will be distributed in the operating system. That's the other thing, right? You won't be given these images, thank God, but you will be given the hashtags for them as determined by CSAM and, uh, or as determined by the NCMEC. And so everybody's operating system is going to have this database of hashtags uh, in it. Again, the bottom line here is that whatever privacy and security aspects are in the technical details, all photos uploaded to iCloud will be scanned. Apple is choosing the opposite approach to protecting people's privacy and giving itself more knowledge of users' content. They are putting themselves in the middle in a strong way. Now, you could check out the EFF in some respects. As I said, I think this is too strong. They go a little bit too far with respect to messaging. They talk about parents that don't love their kids and using it to stalk exes and things. And I think it goes too far and ruins their point a little bit. But it is worth noting that the privacy concerns here of well-intentioned people are, in my opinion, legitimate. Now, on the other side of the position here, we've got an article from 9to5Mac says, in an internal memo, Apple addresses concerns around new photo scanning features, doubles down on the need to protect children. In an internal memo distributed to the teams that worked on this project and obtained by 9to5Mac, 
Apple acknowledges the misunderstandings around the new features, but doubles down on its belief that these features are part of an important mission for keeping children safe. The memo in full, keeping children safe is such an important mission. In true Apple fashion, pursuing this goal has required deep cross-functional commitment. We've seen many positive responses today. We know some people have misunderstandings, and more than a few are worried about the implications, but we will continue to explain and detail the features so people understand what we've built. And we've seen this kind of messaging from the Apples and Facebooks and YouTubes of the world before, right? The implication here on the Apple side is that if we just understood what it was that they were building, we wouldn't have these kinds of concerns. We know some people have misunderstandings, and indeed they do. Some people thought that they were going to be having a robot look through the actual photo itself. And they were going to get in tr trouble for their kids in bathtubs photos. That isn't going to happen, at least as presently presented. More than a few are worried about the implications. That would include me. That would include others like the EFF. But we will continue to explain in detail the features so people understand what we've built. I think we understand what you've built, Apple. I think that's why the implications are of concern. But this is Apple internal. They're trying to assuage these things because a lot of folks, New York Times, Washington Post, a lot of people had articles about this. And then we get a text from the NCMEC put into this memo. Team Apple. I wanted to share a note of encouragement to say that everyone at NCMEC is so proud of each of you and the incredible decisions you have made in the name of prioritizing child protection. And that's important because this is true. They have prioritized child protection above privacy. They want to claim that privacy is still protected and they've taken steps to try to protect it as much as they can while prioritizing child protection. But that is in fact what they have done. Regardless of whether or not you have any problematic materials on your phone ever would or ever would deign to, you're still going to have your photos checked before they put up into iCloud. I know it's been a long day, continues the NCMEC, and that many of you probably haven't slept in 24 hours. We know that the days to come will be filled with the screeching voices of the minority. Okay, thank you for finding a path forward for child protection while preserving privacy. Now, that's what I really wanted to talk about here because the NCMEC says this, preserving privacy. We've talked about the hashtags and how they're trying to do things that potentially protect privacy with the end state still being a total loss in privacy. And we see Apple saying this in article after article. Here's a TechCrunch interview where this is actually said writ large. Why are we doing this? Well, because as you said, this is something that will provide the detection capability while preserving user privacy. We're motivated by the need to do more for child safety across the digital ecosystem. And all three of our features, I think, take very positive steps in that direction. At the same time, we are going to leave privacy undisturbed for everyone not engaged in the illegal activity. Now, I really like this line because it evinces a few things on the Apple side that I find personally to be an issue. The first is definitional, right? Princess Bride. You keep using that word, privacy. I do not think it means what you think it means. You seem to be suggesting here that if you're just going through my photos and matching up hashes and doing whatever it is that you're doing, and we don't get to the level of you finding anything on me, or God forbid, submitting me to local law enforcement, then my privacy has been, quote unquote, undisturbed. That is not the traditional definition of privacy. In fact, we could just pull up the Google definition here, privacy, the state or condition of being free from being observed. It's not the implication 
of the breach of privacy. It's not the consequence at the end of the day that disturbs privacy. It's the behavior itself. It is going through the photos and matching up hashes before they go out into the world. That's the disturbing of privacy. And that's happening regardless of whether or not you tie it to someone individually. If you imagine this in real life and you imagine you're going to an event and you've got a purse or a bag or whatever it is that you might be carrying and you put it in a separate room and you walk into the next room and wait for that bag to come out and somebody goes in and looks at all the stuff in the bags, can't tie it to anybody individually and then puts it outside the room when it's cleared and then you can pick up your bag and the security never knew who was who, then was your privacy disturbed by them going through your purse going through your bag, seeing whatever it is that you have in there. I would argue that undoubtedly it was. The fact that they can't use the consequences too terribly significantly, they can't tie that purse or bag to you specifically, doesn't prevent the privacy from being disturbed. And that metaphor isn't perfect because what Apple would say is, well, we don't get to see the bag. We don't get to see whatever is in that purse or otherwise. We get to see codes that then we match up with a contraband list. And if those codes match up, enough times, which we won't share you what the threshold is, then we are going to then find you, name you, and send you to local law enforcement. Is your privacy disturbed in that scenario where they just use a list of things and compare them? I'd say, yes, the privacy is disturbed, especially if you had no reason to be searched and no reason to believe anything was problematic in your photo library or otherwise. And so, there's a fundamental definitional issue here that really gets to a secondary point, which is that this is an area where the tech giants should be worried, right? If we look at the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, you see that there is a guaranteed right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches, which generally means searches without cause. You can't be stopped and just looked at all of your stuff because you might be committing a criminal offense of some kind. Now, what you might also note is that the amendment here to the U.S. Constitution only covers what government can do. And as we've talked about in virtual reality in a number of ways, platforms, Apple, Facebook, Google, Twitter, whoever, is not the government. But as we also talked about with respect to former President Trump's big tech lawsuit, and also why it's unlikely to work out well for him, is that the arguments that are being made in this lawsuit and more lawsuits that are both pending right now and to come is that Facebook or Google or Twitter or whomever has effectively been co-opted and made a state actor, an arm of the government in a way that is allowing the U.S. government to violate things like these constitutional protections, such as the Fourth Amendment, in a way that shouldn't be permitted. And that's a novel argument. It's a very difficult one to make. I don't think the Trump lawsuit is going to succeed in making it. But when we start to evaluate these kinds of questions, when you go and you look and you find that Apple is outsourcing a lot of this functionality to search people to an organization that is funded almost entirely by the taxpayers in the U.S. government and the Department of Justice, this line continues to be blurred and blurred so much that when you see comments like this, when you start analyzing what Apple's actually saying, you start to wonder whether or not they're actually going to win these suits. Now, I'm empathetic to Apple because they're also in a regulatory environment outside the United States, in Europe and elsewhere, that is now looking at, in particular, CSAM and this kind of material and saying, you have to go search for it, that we're not going to give you this actual knowledge foundation. And those laws, I don't believe, have passed. If you've got other information, please leave it in a comment to this video. But Apple's also looking at the broad scope of things and saying, we need to get in compliance with what these various countries 
might ask for. But that in and of itself is problematic. I, got, I know it just loops in. It's Inception style here uh, in this video because people rightly look at this like the EFF or otherwise and say, well, if you've got this kind of database, what's stopping China from putting tank man or anything else in a hashtag making you put that in the operating system to check for dissent or dissidents or otherwise and then operating on our behalf? Well, the only thing that's really stopping them is that Apple put in the fact that they would refuse. <laughs> Do you trust them? Do you think that Apple would refuse such demands to have access to various jurisdictions around the globe that maybe have differences of opinion as to what is terrorist imagery or otherwise? I don't know that I trust them, but it was only a couple of months ago that we saw Apple criticized for storing data inside China. Apple admitted that they were putting data in their Chinese databases because China was requiring them to do so in order to operate in that space. And Apple has always said it will comply with the laws of the countries in which it has a presence. Now, they've tried to say that they control these kinds of things in China and elsewhere, but there's very little stopping them from changing how any of this operates and from essentially bowing to whatever requests any of these jurisdictions might ask them. And all we really have is a fact that says, no, no, we won't do that. Our system has been designed to prevent that from happening. Sure, it's designed that way right now. Apple's CSAM detection capability is built solely to detect known CSAM images stored in iCloud photos that have been identified by experts at NCMEC, the U.S. government, and other child safety groups, which is fine. You're still not naming those other child safety groups, which gives me pause when you start referencing them like that in multiple documents, including this fact that's supposed to answer all questions. But you've outsourced this. So... Let's just say the NCMEC, which appears to be doing God's work and we want child exploitation to be eliminated, just has something else as a dictate from the Department of Justice and some other stuff appears in their database. Apple wouldn't even know about it if they're just getting hash information and they're trying to stay out of this expertise. So Apple's attempts to assuage fears here are falling on deaf ears, at least for me. And then you get their other defense, which is, well, I mean... We don't have to talk about China or Korea or wherever else we might be talking about because we're only talking about the U.S. Or as TechCrunch asks here, and I put up this interview in a couple of places. It will, of course, be linked to the description. Uh, read at your own caution, especially if you have high blood pressure. There are a lot of answers that Apple gives here that are not followed up upon that are not really pushed by the TechCrunch interviewer here. I think they do a fairly terrible job, but we do get a little bit of insight. They say there are some examples where Apple has had to comply with local law at the highest levels if it wants to operate there, China being an example. So how do we trust that Apple is going to hew to this rejection of interference if pressured or asked by a government to comprise the system? It's a good question. Here's Apple's answer. Well, first, that is launching only for the U.S. iCloud accounts. And so the hypotheticals seem to bring up generic countries or other countries that aren't the U.S. when they speak in that way. And therefore, it seems to be the case that people agree U.S. law doesn't offer these kinds of capabilities to our government. My goodness. Yes, I would argue that at its highest level, the foundational level, Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, various other constitutional provisions, don't give U.S. law enforcement this power. But unless you are 100% absolutely naive saying, well, in the U.S., the U.S. government wouldn't ask for these things, you are really, really playing with fire. 
pulled up a Wikipedia entry. We're not going to read it, but if you aren't familiar, we've got PRISM, the NSA's analysis program of all sorts of internet-facing stuff. If you don't like PRISM, you could just go and read through the Patriot Act as originally passed back when it was originally passed or anything else that comes out about NSA or other U.S. government surveillance to know that in the year 2021, the U.S. government is not innocent in looking to surveil the American populace for what they say are important reasons, oftentimes related to terrorism, domestic or foreign. But once you give them that, terrorism, just like child sexual exploitation, is important to stop, then there's nothing stopping a system like what Apple is putting forth here from being put forth in all of their devices. So what you've got now is a situation where people can get too concerned about child bathtub photography with the EFF about exactly what parents are going to be using the messenger stuff. You can go too far and you can give ammunition to those folks that don't want to listen to any legitimate privacy complaints. But before you get that far, you listen to Apple and I, in my opinion, find very little to hang my hat on in terms of Apple saying we're not going to do this for anything you don't want us to use it for. And I'll leave you with this. Eric Neuschwander, Apple's privacy chief, gave a quote to the New York Times, which was absolutely chilling to me. It says, if you're storing a collection of CSAM material, yes, this is bad for you. But for the rest of you, this is no different. In other words, you have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide. Where have we heard that before? This has been Virtual Legality for the day. If you enjoy these conversations about technology, software, and the like, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon and other methods of support in the description of this video, or otherwise, if you just subscribe, tell your friends we're here having these conversations, upvote, downvote, comment, do all the things that the various robots of YouTube and elsewhere like, I would very much appreciate it. If you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to this episode on a podcast format, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.